0: Hey guys, we're so excited to share this message with you on the Center Set podcast. My name is Ethan and I lead worship here at Center Set. We'd love for you to download our app so that you can keep up with all that is happening in our community. Text Center Set to seven seven nine seven seven 77 to download. Good morning, Center Set. What's up? For those of you that are new, my name is Ali and my beautiful wife and I, we started this crazy place called Center Set three years ago with the simple dream. We wanted to create a place, listen, that not only Christians could grow in their faith, but non-believers, unchurched people could have come explore their faith. So if you're new to church, your first time in a long time, believe me, this is a place where we will not beat you down with the truth, we will build you up. Uh, we just believe God and his house of God is not a place to be endured, it's a place to be enjoyed. So if you're new to church, welcome. You're going to be challenged, encouraged, and inspired. And we are in a collection of talks called Spiritual Gym. We're concluding this. For the last five weeks, we've been talking about spiritual habits. What are those daily disciplines that we need to do to follow Jesus? And I'm telling you, I got a word today. So you got to sit down, get your notebook ready, because I'm going to preach to you. I want to read you from 2 Chronicles chapter 20, starting at verse 15 to 23. I got eight verses. It's a lot. It's going to feel like a lot, but just follow along. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the, this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jerul. You will, fight, you will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions. Stand and see the deliverance of the Lord will give you Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Early in the morning they left from the desert of Tekoa and they set out. Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and the people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat anointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. What a a song. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon and Moab in the Mount Seir, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and the Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped destroy one another. I want to preach to you around this crazy, crazy story, around this idea, worship habit. Worship habit. And it's this idea that the people of God are surrounded by armies and they don't know how to win this battle. They don't know how to fight this battle. And God says, the battle does not belong to you. This is how you fight your battles, by singing. You need to learn this worship habit. Pray and let's begin. God, thank you so much, Lord, that you have a word for us this morning, that we want to leave this place looking more like you, talking more like you. We didn't come just to study you, God. We came to experience you. Reveal, illuminate this revelation, God, that we need a worship habit. Not on Sundays, God, but every day. If you believe it, everyone said amen. i want to teach you around this idea of a spiritual practice of worship. And worship is this very large, encompassing word. Uh, really, it's, it's not worship. It's not what we do. It's a lifestyle. So Everyone worships. And uh, it's not if you worship. It's not just Christians that worship. Everyone gives their time, their affection, their awe, their energies to something. Uh, often we think that only Christians worship and non-believers don't. Listen, everyone worships. But today, I don't want to use that broad definition. I want to narrow in on the practice of worship, the, the art of singing hymns and songs to Jesus. Uh, the great theologian Wayne Grudem, who in my opinion, what, one of the top 10 books of all time in Christianity, Systematic Theology, Wayne Grudem says this. He says, Worship is the activity of glorifying God in His presence, with our voices and our hearts. And what he's really trying to communicate is that, yes, worship is a lifestyle. Yes, worship is what we do and the way that we live. But really, worship specifically is the songs that we sing. And worship is not a modern thing. It's not a new thing that Christians invented. It's been part of our faith for generations, for centuries. It's not the the thing that we do before the sermon. It's not that the thing that we do to get people all emotional because the sermon speaks to your brain and the, the worship speaks to your heart. It's not that. Listen to me. Christianity is a singing faith. This has been the pattern for Christianity for thousands of years. It was the great theologian Josephus who was born uh, four years after Jesus died. He was the the greatest historian of the first century. He said this, the Christians are joyous, happy people who express their joy by singing to God. The way that he described the Christians was not by their prayer, not by their church services, but by the way that they sang, we have a singing faith and we're actually commanding the scriptures to sing. Look at me, Colossians chapter 3, it says this, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. That is not a suggestion, church. That is a command. Paul is specifically and definitely telling you, you and I are commanded to worship. Why? Because we were created to worship. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. We are commanded to sing. We are commanded to sing songs and hymns. Why? Because this is our calling. This is what we are commanded to do. And this calling, this command is not just found in the New Testament. It's also found in the Old Testament. If you go to the days of uh, of Moses, when he was the deliverer of the people of Israel, uh, the Israelites had been in slavery for 400 years, and God said, I need to raise up a prophet like Jesus who will help deliver the Israelites out. And Moses, he was this dude with the stuttering problem, and he goes to Pharaoh, and Exodus 7, verse 16 says this. Read this with me. Let my people go so. So always this idea that God calls you from something to something. Let my people go so that they will worship me in the wilderness. You, you, you got to see this pattern that, that Christianity is a singing faith. That from the very beginning, the call for the Christian was to be in the presence of God, to come out of bondage and into the presence of God. And where did Moses worship? Listen, two, 4,000 years ago, before San Jose had a 24-foot trailer, before we would bump in and bump out, Moses had a tabernacle. It's literally mobile church. And whereas we carry our our sound equipment and all this stuff in a trailer, Moses carried it on camels. And they'd bump into the desert and they'd bump out in the desert. And they'd literally set up camp. At the center of the camp would be the tabernacle, the church. And then all the Israelites would build their homes, their tents around the church. And that place, the tabernacle, housed the presence of God. And they would literally have... mobile, portable church in the desert. And you got to realize there's this pattern that God calls us. Read this with me. It says, God calls you out. God always brings you out to bring you in. This is not something that he just did in the Old Testament. It's something that he does today. God calls you out of depression into joy. Out of fear into faith. Out of brokenness into wholeness. Out of bondage into freedom. This is the gospel that God calls us out of sin into something else. He, Instead of worshiping our body, instead of worshiping sex or money or people or fame, he wants us to worship him. You are created to worship. You are commanded to worship. And listen, Christianity is a singing, worshiping faith. So if you ain't worshiping, listen, you are missing out on the function that you were created to do. We are called, not just to sing on Sunday's church, but every day. Why? Because we need a worship habit. For the last five weeks, I've been teaching around this idea of spiritual gym. What are the things that we need got to do daily because that determines who we become permanently? And in week two of this collection of talks, it was the, the prayer habit. And then it was the meditation habit. And then uh, two weeks ago, it was the silence and solitude habit, the selah habit. And, and today we're talking about the worship habit. That ye, this is not something that we just do on Sundays when Ethan's on the stage, our worship leader. This is something that God wants you to experience every single day. Why? Because we don't want to just be Christians that profess our faith. We want to be Christians that literally practice our faith. And every week throughout this collection of talks, I've been talking about this idea. This is what we do, but I've also been telling you why we do it. Because listen, if you don't have a why, you will eventually give up the what. Read this, this quote with me. If you don't know the why you do something, it doesn't matter how good you do it, eventually you'll give up. For the book Atomic Habits or Mini Habits, all these books on helping you get your best life, accomplish new tasks, develop new habits, they all say don't just write the goal, the what, write the why. For example, if if your goal is to lose 10 pounds by going to the gym, that's a good goal. But you need to know why, because when you look good, you feel good. When you feel good, you play good. When you play good, they pay good. That's the great theologian, Dion Sanders. And you need to know your why, because when you're in the gym and you're tired, and you're like, why am I here? I want to go home. I want to go eat Oreo cookies and ice cream. The why reminds you why you want to do the what. You need a why for worship. Because often this is why people show up late to church, like, oh, it's just that worship. I, I don't even like, you need a why. Let me give you three reasons why, as Christians, we are called to worship. On your screen, the number one is this, to delight in God. Did you know that when you delight in God, God delights in you? Let me tell you, I have a two-year-old and a five-year-old. My two-year-old, she's going to be a worship leader one day. How do I know? Every time there's a song on the radio, she'll be singing it for the next three days. Every time we play a worship song, and she doesn't even know the words. She, like, sings a word or two, but you can kind of tell she's harmonizing, and I love it. I pull out my phone and record her, because it's not the songs that she's singing, it's what's coming out of her heart. People often ask, well, how, what, what's God's favorite worship song? It's the song that you're singing. Well, how, what's the style that God likes? It doesn't matter what, the style. It matters who it's coming from. It's coming from His children. Listen, whether you sing like Kenny G or Cardi B, God loves the way that you sing. It does not matter the style, the song, if you have a great voice or a terrible voice. The fact that it's coming from His children and God, when you delight in God, let me tell you, dads, they delight when their children sing. Second reason why we sing, if you're taking notes, to draw near to God. James 4 verse 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I love this picture of Christianity that I can come to the presence of God. How can a sinful man come to the presence of a holy and perfect God? That's the gospel, that God sent his son Jesus to not only uh, become a man, but to live a sinless life as the God-man. And he didn't come to give us a Bible. He didn't come to give us a a building or a religion. He came to die for us. So on the cross, Jesus took my place and died for my sin. Now when I come into the presence of God, God sees me as perfect. That doesn't make sense, Pastor Ali. Exactly, because I'm not perfect in my performance. I'm perfect in my position. I'm in Christ. I'm fully forgiven. That's the gospel. And now a jacked up misfit like me can come into the presence of God anytime I want. Did you know that your God is motion activated? I love going to grocery stores where they have the automatic doors. And those doors don't open when you're in the parking lot. They don't open when when you're parking your car. They open when you approach the door in the same way. You don't feel the presence of God in the parking lot on the way to church. You might. You don't feel it as you're walking into the building or even when you sing. It's a heart thing that when you draw near to God in your heart, because of Jesus, God will always draw near to you. Number three, why we sing is this, to magnify God. You ever take a magnifying glass and put it under something? What does it do? It makes it larger, expands it. It makes a small thing a big thing. Often what Christians do is they go in the prayer closet and they go, God, look how big my problem is. And what worship does is it magnifies God in your heart. So that you can leave the prayer closet and go, problem, look how big my God is. That's why we sing. But there's one reason that I want to hone in on today. That will change your perception of worship. That will change our why. And it's this. We worship because worship is an act of war. That's a little intense, I know. But you need to hear this today. Eight years ago, my wife and I, we, we got married. Actually, this September will be eight years. And... The moment we got married, let me tell you, something in my heart shifted. She wasn't my ex-girlfriend anymore. She wasn't my ex fiance She wasn't just like, oh, she's my wife. Like, literally, I felt responsible for this person. Like, there was this weight. I gotta take care of her. I gotta feed her. Like, I had cats and dog, cats growing up, and there'd be times I'd forget to feed them, and they'd run away. I can't do that anymore with Pastor Yaz. You know, I, I don't want her to die. Like, I felt this weight. Like, I gotta protect you. I gotta, like, have, I have responsibility for you. I felt that weight. Immediately one month into our marriage. It's 1 in the morning. She wakes me up. I'm like, yes It's always yes at 1 in the morning. She's like, no, I heard something in the backyard. I'm like, it's probably a cat. She's like, no, I need you to go check. I'm like, it's 1 in the morning. If it's gonna kill us I would rather die in bed than in the backyard. She's like, get up and go check. And she had this fear that Maybe we're about to get robbed and I feel this weight, this responsibility to take care of her So I get up in in the middle of the night. I don't have a gun. I don't have a baseball bat. So I grab a broom and she's making fun. A a broom? I'm like, honey, we don't got weapons in this house. So imagine I'm walking through the house. It's one in the morning. I'm turning on all the lights, checking all the windows. I'm literally in the backyard. Listen, if there was someone in my backyard, a broom is going to do nothing. A broom is not a formidable weapon. And thankfully, there was no one in the backyard. There was no one in our house. But spiritually speaking, there is an enemy that you and I have. And he doesn't just want to come and steal something from you. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy your life. And the weapon that you need to choose cannot be a broom. That ain't gonna keep this enemy away. You need to go to a, a weapon that will is the weapon of our warfare. And our the weapon of our warfare, spiritually speaking, is worship. You need to understand this, that worship is an act of war. And that the more you study Jesus, the more you understand the devil, you gotta realize there are two primary principles that you need to understand about Jesus. Number one, Jesus is full of truth. Number two, Satan is full of lies. Read with me uh, John chapter 44, what Jesus says about Satan. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Listen, I'm bilingual. I know how to speak English and I know how to speak Farsi. My native tongue though is English. My question for you this morning, what is Satan's native tongue? Is it English? Is it Spanish? Is it Farsi? It's lies. That's his weapon. That's the weapon that he wants to bring to attack you. And he, he studies you. He knows your proclivities. He knows your weaknesses. He knows the temptations that bother you, that don't bother your neighbor, that bother you, that don't bother your sister, that bother you and not your, your husband or your wife or your, maybe your mom. He lies specifically to you. Can I tell you how, pastor, how the devil lies to me? It's through insecurity. That you don't have the leadership. You don't have the, the talent. that You shouldn't be a pastor. That you should quit. I have heard those lies every day for three straight years it has never stopped and that's what you need to realize the enemy doesn't just come one time he is relentless he comes every single day and the lie underneath the lie that you need to understand this he's actually lying about the character of god he wants you to doubt god's calling and the words that he's spoken to you genesis chapter 3 adam and eve are in the garden and satan says you can eat the fruit god's holding back on you and he asks this question. Did God really say? It had nothing to do with the fruit. It was everything of, you can't trust God. He's he's withholding from you. The second Adam, which is Jesus, was tempted in the same way. Satan comes to him and says, you've been fasting for 40 days? God doesn't love you. He, He would never let his son go hungry. Strike these rocks and turn them into bread if you're really the son of God. What was he saying? Did God really say that you're supposed to do this? Let me tell you right now, without a shadow of a doubt, the moment that you have a Christian jersey on, Satan's coming for you. And his primary call is to question, did God really say, you can keep smoking weed, come on. God's not going to, you, you, porn's not hurting anyone. It's just between you and yourself. Come on, man, you deserve this. There's nothing wrong with a little alcohol. Nothing wrong with just lying a little bit on your taxes. God doesn't really, and the question underneath the question is, Did God really say? Let me tell you something that's probably going to be very controversial. Satan doesn't even care about the lie. He doesn't even care about lying. It's not the lie that he cares about. It's what the lying does to your life. It derails you. It sends you off course. Imagine for a moment, I have a map. I have a map of Silicon Valley. This is before Google Maps, right? I have a map and I erase highways. And then I add fake ones and go, oh, here's a map of San Jose. It does not matter if you're type A and you leave 15 minutes early doesn't matter if you drive fast and you're meticulous, you will never reach your destination. That's the point of the lie, that Satan doesn't care if you believe the lie or not. He wants to derail you from your destiny, derail you from your calling, and he's lying to you. That's his weapon of warfare. In the same time, though, Jesus is whispering to you, he whispers that he loves you, that he's for you, that he's got your back, that you're called, that you're anointed, that you're the head and not the tail, that you're above and not beneath. That before your parents said that you were a mistake, Jesus knew you before you were in your mother's womb. And when you, when you were in your mother's womb, Jesus formed you, you were fearfully and wonderfully made. And every day of your life, before it came to pass, was already ordained in the book of life. You are created for good works. And even when you mess up, even when you stumble in life, god knows for for i know the plans i have for you even when you have a mistake and you want to put a period our god puts a comma but if i can be honest even though jesus is saying these words to me i don't believe him sometimes and i realize i'm not the only one all of us struggle to believe god look what jesus says in the very next verse john 8, verse 45. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. We don't believe Jesus. What do we do in those moments where the enemy is whispering in one ear and Jesus is whispering in the other and we're stuck in the middle in this battle? You need to engage in warfare. How do you fight the enemy's war? How do you fight in this battle when he's lying to you and you don't know, you're, you're sure of your calling? Did God really say, you need to go, not to a broom, But to the greatest weapon at your disposal, you need to sing to God. And when you sing to God, it silences the voice of the enemy. Every single week, I preach from God's word. And the word of God describes itself as a sword. This is literally a weapon. It's a double-edged sword. It cuts between the bone and marrow. It doesn't just cut your actions, but your motives. So when you do good, but with the wrong heart, God even calls that out. But this tool, The way that you activate this tool is through worship. Let me explain to you. Uh, When I was in middle school, I was 12, 13 years old. My favorite class in middle school was wood and metal. Wood shop and metal shop. In woodshop, we would, we would like solder iron and pieces of metal together and we would have to get prepared before we use the equipment. What we do is we put on these goggles that were very dark to protect our eyes. And then we wear these gloves and these fireproof vests so that if sparks flew, we wouldn't catch fire. In woodshop, we wear these goggles. So the, the shrapnel from the, the shreds of wood wouldn't go in our eyes. And then we wear this vest to keep ourselves clean. In the same way in wood and metal, I do something to get prepared. How do you activate the word of God? Write this thought down. If the word is a sword, then worship is how you swing, swing it. That's how you engage in warfare. That's why worship is an act of war. Jesus gives you the word, and the way that you activate the word is by singing scripture to God. That's what worship songs are, by the way. You're just singing the scriptures back to God. And when you sing the scriptures back to God, it's not just delighting in God. It's not just magnifying God. It's not just drawing close to God. It is an act of war. Uh, I remember the the year two of our church, there was a dude that came to, to me after service. We were running two services in between service one and two. He's like, bro, I love this church. I'm like, cool, bro. Go to Growth Track. If you're watching from home and you're wondering what your next step is, it's Growth Track. It's everyone's first step into our church. He's like, man, I love the way you preach, but like, man, you guys sing way too much of this church. I'm like, what? Say that again. He's like, yeah, I'm not really good at singing, and it's like kind of awkward for me. I got, I don't have a really good voice, so like, that's why I show up late. I'm just here for the word. What a tragedy, man. How, 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 how it just made me so sad that this dude does not understand the why we sing. Yes, The reason why we sing is is not just to glorify God, not just to magnify Him and draw near to Him, but listen, man, worship is warfare. And when I sing to God, it's not like God's insecure, having an identity crisis, needing to be told who He is. Listen, I'm the one with the identity crisis. I'm the one that forgets who God is. I'm the one that struggles in life. And when I sing, it's not just telling God who He is, it's telling my spirit and my soul who my God is. I need it, not God. God's not insecure that needs to be reminded who He is. I'm the one that's insecure that's why worship is powerful because it silences the enemy and it elevates and amplifies the voice of God in my life and it's not just a songs that we sing it's literally the weapons of our warfare which is why I'm so pumped to get into 2nd Chronicles chapter 20 this verse is crazy and that's the exact context that we find ourselves in Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 is a king who actually loves God. If you read 2 Chronicles, it's king after king after king who walks away, who abandons God and lives for himself instead of Jesus. And Jehoshaphat has a different spirit. This guy literally loves God with all of his heart, all of his soul, all of his strength. And the moment he becomes king at the age of 30, imagine being 36 years old. Most of you 30-year-old millennials live with your parents. This dude's running a country. And the first thing that he does is he institute God's temple back. He removes all the idols in Israel and says, this nation is going to be passionately pursuing God. And the very next day that he does these things, three neighboring enemies come to the border of Israel and they're about to declare war. And Jehoshaphat, this 36-year-old dude who, who simply loves God and is ruling Israel, is freaking the freak out. Listen. I can't tell you how to prevent the attacks of the enemy, but I can encourage you how to be prepared for the attacks of the enemy. This is why worship cannot just be a Sunday thing, it has to be a daily thing, because what you do daily determines who you become permanently. And I wonder how many of you in 2020 and 2021 are right now feeling overwhelmed. Overwhelmed with school, overwhelmed with work, overwhelmed with your finances, maybe overwhelmed in your marriage and you have no answers, and there is an enemy, and it feels like you're with your back against the wall. But watch what Jehoshaphat does. Listen to his prayer. Look what he says. He says, For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do. What do you do when you don't know what to do? You know what I did when I was in my home? I grabbed a broom. You know what Jehoshaphat did? He worshiped. Because he understood that worship is a weapon but our eyes are on you Jehoshaphat had a worship habit he didn't just worship God when days were good on Sundays this guy worshiped God at any moment that he was feeling overwhelmed on the good days and in the bad days and in the prayer closet the spirit of God comes in and prophetically declares Jehoshaphat this battle ain't yours bro I'm going to fight for you. It's almost as if God is rolling up his sleeve saying, let me remind the world that I've never gone to war and lost. When your back's against the wall, when you're weak, that's when I'm strong. And Jehoshaphat, this dude's worshiping God and what he hears in private, he brings out in public. And he tells the entire army of Israel, tomorrow, guys, I want you to put your swords and your spears and your axes down and I want you to pick up your Guitar Hero drums and your Guitar Hero equipment. Imagine for a moment, you're going into a knife fight with a guitar. That takes faith. You know what also takes faith? Take a broom into your backyard when there might be a thief. Listen, some of you already do things that require faith. Jesus is just saying, put your faith in me. Because worship is not just the songs that we sing. It is warfare. And in that moment, imagine there's, the Israelites are completely outnumbered. They have no weapons in their hand. And they simply by faith begin to sing to God. And God does the the miraculous. The enemy turns on themselves and they begin to kill themselves. It's crazy what happens. You need to write this thought down. Praise is a problem for your problem. That yeah, it's going to take faith when you're in a marriage that's broken or you're in a family situation that's that's difficult or you're overwhelmed with life and your emotions and you're like, Pastor Ali, I'm worried. You have a choice to either worry or to worship. You have to make a decision. Is worship just songs Or is it warfare? And Jehoshaphat teaches us this spiritual principle that worship is an act of war. And when you praise God, it's a problem for your problem. And Many of you are like, well, what song did he sing, Pastor Ali? Was it Waymaker? Was it I Thank God? Or was it Echo? We don't know the songs that Jehoshaphat and the army sang. But we do know the bars within the song. And the first one is this, give thanks to the Lord. When's the last time you wrote a list of things that you were thankful for? You know what I've found most often in myself? I'm not speaking about you, myself. That the area where I have an expectation where once it's met, then I praise. That only when it, God goes beyond my expectation do I begin to thank Him. And often my expectations are so high that I never think, end up thanking God. Because I have these super high expectations. Praise begins when expectation ends. What about your breath? What about the fact that you can see with your eyes, that you can walk, that you can eat ice cream, that you can watch TV, that you can enjoy your family, that you got a good night's rest, that you took a shower this morning, that you got to look into a fridge full of food and say, I want to eat that and not that. So often we have first world problems and we're so unthankful. Can I just share two things this year in 2020? Like I sound ridiculous, but I'm just thankful for it. In February, I got a speeding ticket. I'm thankful I needed God to tell me to slow down and in April I got two COVID shots and I'm thankful for a piece of medicine that normally takes five years to be developed and somehow we developed it in 18 months I'm thankful you know what praise is it's thanking God for what he's done worship though is thanking God for what you hope he's gonna do the second bar within the song was not just give thanks to the Lord the second bar was this his love endures forever the best worship songs are not the ones where you Declare your how much you love God how faithful you are to him how how devoted you are to him the best worship songs are when you sing about his love his devotion and his passionate pursuit of you And here's Jehoshaphat with his back to the wall. He is completely surrounded. He has nothing He has no weapon no broom. No sword is gonna win this battle. So he sings and watch What happens when he sings? Read with me 2 Chronicles 20 verse 29. This is at the end of the story. The fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace for his God had given him rest on every side. I need to write this principle down. Praise precedes peace. See, God wants to give you a peace that surpasses understanding. And that peace is not a a place, but it's a person. But before you meet that person, God says, I inhabit the praises of my people. So if you want peace, praise precedes peace. I don't know what you're dealing with right now. I don't know if it's a marriage issue, a financial issue, or some addiction in your life. You don't know how to break it. Or maybe you're, you're struggling with parenting or finances. I don't know what you're going through. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's a health issue. Listen, now, the one thing I wanna encourage you is that we, we need more than a, a prayer habit. We need more than a meditation habit. We need more than a Selah, or a silence and solitude habit. You and I, we need a worship habit. And the beautiful thing about worship is that you can never exaggerate about the love of God. To exaggerate something is to make it bigger than it really is. You can never declare God's love for you bigger than his love for you is deeper, wider and grander for you than you could ever ask, think or imagine. So when you're facing issues and your backs against the wall and you don't know what to do, be reminded church, That worship is an act of war. Yes, it magnifies God. Yes, it allows us to draw to Him. Yes, it allows us to, to delight in Him. But often, when you are overwhelmed and the enemy is lying to you and you need to silence His voice, sing the scriptures, worship, not just on Sundays, but have a worship habit. Let's pray. God, thank you so much, Lord, for this powerful word that when I'm overwhelmed, that when I'm, feeling the pressure of life and the the lies of the enemy God that you give me a weapon that that my battle is not with a, a broom or my flesh I wage war with worship this God is how we fight our battles I pray God that our church right now would as they hear this message that they would respond God that for the next 10 minutes, God, we would respond in worship, that we would develop this worship habit. Yes, it might be in our homes. Yes, it might be online, God, but you can meet us no matter where we are. I pray, God, that we would respond to you, that we would cast our cares to you because you care for us. That, God, we, we want to delight in you this morning. God, as we draw near to you, will you draw near to us? God, many of us are overwhelmed with our problems. As we come into your presence, God, to worship, would you be magnified in our heart in our spirit this morning may we come in saying god look how big my problems are but may we leave saying problem look how big my god is and everybody said amen for some of you watching from home and this is your first time at church maybe this is your first time in a long time and you didn't know that the gospel was that god became a man and he came to die for us and jesus loves you And worship is something that He longs to experience with you. Worship is just love expressing itself. And God loves you. And He longs for His children to to love Him back. But there's a gap between us and God. And we can't bridge that gap with good works. We can't bridge that gap with church attendance. We can't bridge that gap with education or money or doing good things. It can't be done by behavior. It can only be done by faith. And Jesus sent his son, God sent his son Jesus to die for us so that we can be forgiven, so that we can be drawn to the presence of God, so that ultimately we can do what we were created to do from the very beginning, worship Jesus. And if you feel that tug on your heart this morning, that you wanna start a relationship with Jesus so that you can worship him, just bow your heads and close your eyes. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Thank you that you died on a cross, but you didn't stay dead. Three days later, you resurrected defeating death, hell, and Satan. Now I place my faith in you, Jesus. Would you fill me with your spirit so that I can know you, follow you, and worship you all the days of my life? Church, if that was you this morning, believe me when I say this, we got nothing from you. We want to celebrate with you. Fill out this Connect card on the bottom, our virtual Connect card, centerset.ch connect. Tell us you took this step of faith. For some of you, your next step is growth track. For some of you, we're going to do baptisms in July. It's time to go public with your private faith. For some of you, it's time to give. Let me just pray for our offering. Uh, What I love about Christianity when I came out of Islam is I had to give to be loved by God. Christianity is different. I'm already loved. I'm already accepted. I don't need to give anything, but I want to because I delight in God. And giving back to Him is the best way to say thank you. For those of you that call centers at home, we're asking our church to give through a reoccurring giving. Why? Because on July 10th, St. Mark's is having a, a property board meeting they, are they, and they're deciding whether they should give us the building or not. So we're praying, church, for a miracle. We're praying that they would give us this building, but for us to step into this kingdom opportunity, we're asking those that call centers at home would give not just occasionally or consistently, But they'd give reoccurring because it does two things. It allows us to intelligently plan for the future and allows us to step into kingdom opportunities. And let me tell you, this is a kingdom opportunity. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the opportunity to potentially go into a building 24 7 so that we can preach your gospel, so they can reach your children. So that we've already seen 200 plus people say yes to Jesus for the very first time, we've already seen three or four dozen get baptized. But God, we believe the best is yet to come. Pray for our church, God, that this would not just be a time of offering and giving through reoccurring. But God, this will be a time where they respond to you in worship. And that they would see that worship is powerful because worship is an act of war. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. Let's worship together, church.